the strategy behind Amazon's Prime Video, and MoviePass and the magic power of data. This is episode 81 of Media Unplugged, the podcast that goes behind the spin to reveal what's really happening in media. Media Unplugged with Tom A. Sacker and Mark Ramsey. Welcome, welcome, bienvenue to Media Unplugged. I'm Mark Ramsey. <laughs> I'm Tom A. Sacker. It's a little bit of... Uh, I don't know what you're doing. <laughs> classic movie or uh, classic uh, Broadway influence there. All right, <laughs> uh, Tom. The strategy behind Amazon's Prime Video. There, I'll tell you, there's been a plethora of data news in the news over the past couple of weeks, including the Facebook thing, which has been talked to death about. So we don't need to talk about it. Good. But this Amazon thing goes back to an uh, interesting piece from a week or two ago. Where someone somehow, and I'm not even sure how, they had, I guess, acquired a report on exactly what the impact was of Amazon's Prime Video on uh, Prime subscriptions. Needless to say, um, one would imagine that the reason to do Prime Video is to attract people to pay whatever it is per year now for Prime uh, membership on Amazon so that you can get your you know, toilet paper delivered for free. <laughs> And, and books delivered for free for those people who still buy books from Amazon and whatever it else uh, you get. And somehow there's a relationship here, which I want to talk to you about, between, uh, gosh, I want to see that show. Oh, heck, I got to sign up for Prime in order to get it. So it was real interesting to see that relationship. So anyway, here's some of the data points that we could talk about them. So Amazon's top television shows drew more than 5 million people worldwide to its Prime Shopping Club by early 2017. Uh, Prime Originals, the shows. These are their 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 own uh, uh, owned they and produce. operated shows, so to speak. Right. Yes, their own their own shows that they've either produced or 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 bought outright. Uh, Prime Originals, the shows account for as much as a quarter of what analysts estimate to be total Prime signups from late twenty four to early twenty seventeen. The period covered by the documents. I mean, that's, that's astonishing, isn't it? <laughs> no, that's absolutely it, huge. I mean, reflect for a moment on the fact that. The real attraction, I mean, when you and I signed up for Prime, we did it because, wow, we're making a lot of Amazon purchases. We might as well get free shipping. Over the course of a year, it probably pays for itself. But one no. quarter of the people between 2014 and 17, it was to see a TV show. <laughs> I know. I know. So, I mean, what, 13 bucks a month it is now or something? Uh, I'm not even sure what it is. It's I think so it's automatic for me now. $12.99 a month or something. Or it's 100 bucks a year, $99 a year, right? Okay, is and, it and still? I, okay. Yeah, and I looked at that. Like you said, when we did it, we went, wow, geez, I buy like one air conditioner. That's, that's my $100 shipping right there. That's so, true. That's I'll, right. You know, I'll get that. Let me just do the two-day shipping. And, and that's what these, I tell you, Amazon is so smart. They, they create this value proposition in your mind that's almost impossible like to tease apart completely. You know, you look at this show and you say, I think I want to watch this man in the high castle. That looks really interesting. Mm -hmm. Ah, I don't want to pay for it. Oh, wait a minute. I don't have to pay for it. I'll just sign up for this $99 a year thing that gets me two-day shipping and this and that and unlimited streaming of other movies and shows. So your brain says, I didn't just pay for that man in the high castle. <laughs> or your brain makes the, does the, uh, the, math, the napkin math that says, you know what? I can make that money back on a few Amazon purchases. Exactly. So what the heck? Let me do it. And then you get locked into the platform, right? Oh, and you no. Can't ever, you can't ever get off 
the train, uh, just as with Sirius XM. I mean, remember, at one point, Sirius XM used to be radios you'd buy in a Best Buy or a Circuit City. Um, and then suddenly, what they realized pretty quick is that no one wants to buy their satellite radios in a Best Buy or a Circuit City when they had those. <laughs> what they, but, but what they found was that if you wrapped it into the purchase of a new car, it was easy to say yes to. Easy. And much harder, actually, to say no to because you got it for free for the first six months. And then once you wanted to get rid of it, you had to say no to it. And it's yep. much more difficult to say no to something than to say yes. Look, you, you hit the, the word, the key word, easy. This is the yeah. easy economy, right? They, mm -hmm. they remove friction everywhere. You click Amazon button on any of your computers, there's no sign in. It signs you in automatically. That's right. You know, and, and I think, right. didn't they say in the article that Prime members spend up to double on the site as non-members? Of so, course they do. So, <laughs> so to bring in one-fourth of your Prime members using, mm -hmm. think about it, using entertainment to drive merchandise can, sales. Can I just acknowledge the reality that... You know, The Big Sick was a great movie, but The Big Sick is an indie movie. Right. Manchester by the Sea is a great movie, but Manchester by the Sea is an indie movie. Um, even Man in the High Castle isn't necessarily what you would call mainstream fare, and that's some of their most mainstream fare. So the stuff that's been most successful to them so far is stuff that you wouldn't even necessarily qualify or, 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 or indicate as, as mainstream. That will change. <laughs> well, they, they're trying to change it, right? What did well, they say they wanted? A hit something like what? I, I can't remember. They set the bar really high. Well, they you know? yeah, sure, they want something like Game of Thrones, but that asset, it turns out, is out there, and it's called Lord of the Rings, which is why <laughs> they've made a deal. $250 million for the rights alone. Production and marketing costs could raise costs to $500 million or more for two seasons. For the Lord of the Rings, and oh, by the way, they can't use any of the characters in any of the movies, existing movie series. So this is going to be an all-new <laughs> Lord of the Rings kind of epic based on familiar intellectual property, which is, I, I mean, but it, it's it's exactly the recipe because they're going to take that twenty-four percent, twenty-five percent. It's going to be fifty percent in no time. Really, really smart. Not cheap, but smart. No, it doesn't have to be cheap, though, because they said, uh, how much did the man in the high castle cost? That wasn't cheap. No, that Not wasn't cheap. And they talked about that. They said man in the high castle uh, had 8 million U.S. viewers. The program cost $72 million in production and marketing and attracted 1.15 million new subscribers worldwide based on their accounting. So that means, I mean, the math is so, like, brain-dead simple. Right. They calculated the, the show drew new Prime members at an average cost of $63 per subscriber, which is much less than the $99 that people pay for the service. And, uh, again, once that's 99 in year one. Right, because people buy products now that they. That's right. Up. Right, and at the end, and it's a you know it's a it's a stream of membership. I mean, I don't even remember what year I joined, but it was certainly hundreds of hundreds of dollars ago, right? <laughs> I thought you could say hundreds of years ago. No, you're right. Yeah, <laughs> no, it could have been that. Listen, so uh, the, the lesson here's what I uh, I just please give me the lesson, aren't though. they? Yeah, yeah. Go ahead with the lesson. Well, it's simple. I mean, there are many, but the most important one is take a broader, more creative look at value creation and how you attract people into that unique 
bundle of value. This the old days of like the, this simple. This is the price. This is the cost. This is the right. margin. Here's the equation. This is what you're buying. Yeah, right. Those days are mm-hmm. gone. Yeah, they're gone because yeah. people are going to figure out how to create a bigger bundle of value around what you're offering, and then you're going to wonder where everyone went. I it's. This relates to a conversation I had with some investors this morning. They were asking me about Spotify and the music labels. And they said, with Spotify's IPO, is there going to be an incentive for the music labels to help them kind of prosper in that it's, you know, the prospering of Spotify is good for the music labels and so on. And if they allow the music, if Spotify to do better, the music labels in the long run do better, et cetera, to which I said, Absolutely not. Right. I said, I said they, as far as they're concerned, Pandora and Spotify could die on the vine because they would prefer to sell to Google and Amazon and Apple all day long. And that is because for Google and Amazon and Apple, music is a side business. Right. Music is a game, right? Music for Apple is a way exactly. to sell gadgets. It has no inherent value or significant profitability unto itself, even though it's going up year over year for them. So that fact alone means that, and and here's another case, just like the Amazon case you indicated, where all of these players are using music as kind of a side business to do other kinds of business. And in those realms, the value of uh, rights for the labels, I would argue, are higher. It's a much better customer for the label. No, you're right. Look at Bezos said, when we win a Golden Globe, it helps us sell more shoes. Oh, my God. Yeah. How about that? <laughs> Name another company for whom that's true. No one. <laughs> it, it's, it's just... It, now, here's the one question I have about all this. Much of the economics here was put in terms of, here's the number of new people to the Prime platform. Here's the conversion, right? This show creates the following number of new people to the Prime platform. Um, right. I mean, that metric has a, has a sell-by date. I mean, eventually, that's going to taper off, right? I mean, if they're at what, I don't know, the number was like 25% in the U.S. or something crazy like that. I mean, that number is going to taper off. And when that number tapers off, how do they evaluate the, um, the, the ROI, so to speak, of these shows? They'll figure it out. They'll bundle something <laughs> else up and, and they'll say, look what this show did for purchases of that. They'll figure it out. That's what they're doing. It's, it's, a, it's a big, gigantic ball of string with all this bundle Mm. in it and they pull one little piece and another thing moves and then they look at it and they say wow what if we do this what will happen that and this of course is why this is why walmart's getting into insurance and cvs is getting into insurance and it's why uh the newspapers have to be bailed out by wealthy individuals right it's because all the money ends up coming from some other place and these adventures become you know, at a, 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 a worst case, a side project in the case of, you know, uh, Jeff Bezos and, and Washington Post. And in the case of, you know, CVS and Walmart, it's the future of their business model by going into insurance. It's a it's not the kind of thing you would in, you would have anticipated even what, five years ago, right? I don't know. Five years ago, I told you this whole idea of stick to your knitting brands was it was over. But nobody, nobody yeah. believed it. They said, what are you talking about? You, you have to be known for one thing. <laughs> okay. Yeah. 
it's it, and I want to come back to that, by the way, when I give you one of my raves okay. because it's relevant to that. <laughs> All right, you're listening to Media Unplugged with Tom Asecker and Mark Ramsey. Movie Pass and the magic power of data. If ever there were two topics related, these would be the two topics, right? The Perfect topic segue. of what's going on, on Amazon yep. and Movie Pass. Movie Pass, as everybody knows, I think, is that service that allows you for ten dollars a month. Although I guess if you sign up now. It's $7 a month, which is really almost absurd, <laughs> um, for its uh, year-long special that'll give you access to uh, any number of movies you want um, in, uh, during the course of a month. And it's really, and everyone's kind of puzzling this out, right? Trying to say, <laughs> how is it that this can be worthwhile when a movie ticket costs whatever, eight, nine, ten dollars just for one ticket? How can you do all you can eat this way? And the uh, article that uh, that uh, you and I read from uh, what is this? The Wrap, I think. Uh, yeah, the the Wrap. That's right. It talked about how Silicon Valley, the TV show Silicon Valley, helps explain Movie Pass, and it alluded to uh, a, a recent episode of Silicon Valley where uh, Richard uh, was uh, uh, competing against this uh, guy with a startup called Sliceline, which apparently takes. <laughs> pizzas from Domino's, reboxes them, and sends them to SliceLine users, which sounds dumb on its face, but that's Silicon Valley. <laughs> that actually is Silicon Valley and Silicon Valley, the TV that's show, but true. that's a different story. So um, he said, well, he had a certain amount of money to use for his runway, so he plowed all that money into making uh, a lot of orders for uh, SliceLine, uh, such that they would overwhelm SliceLine's ability to deliver on the orders because SliceLine loses $5 per order. So if Richard spent, you know, millions of dollars, SliceLine would run out of funding <laughs> before, <laughs> before Richard's company, Pied Piper. And uh, this article's about that. It's Machiavellian, but if you if you think about it, this is exactly the game that MoviePass is running, which is that they are losing money with every new user they bring on for now. But their goal is to have 10 million customers by Christmas 2019 to, uh, to enhance their value proposition, the way you indicated, Tom, by funneling money back into co-financing releases, which means now they're partnering with, partnering with producers. And then also the bigger they get, the more leverage they have, the more they're able to push theaters for a better cut. They're already getting a better cut from some. And uh, then once you have 10 million members, you can do what everybody does, which is raise prices because <laughs> the cost of getting out is much greater than the cost of staying in. I don't know about you, Tom, but I think Amazon could probably double its prime cost, and I think I'd still stay. <laughs> yeah, they know that too. They, it's coming. Yeah. This and is, then, of course, the last element is the one that you and I have talked about before, which is data. Right. Um, selling user data to studios so that studios can make better decisions about who the target audiences are, where to release films, and so on and so forth, as well as other businesses, brands, etc. It's really interesting, but essentially what they're doing is debt financing their growth so that they can turn around and be more valuable down the road once they have a larger um, uh, audience base. Yeah, it was... Um really, really interesting. Because I've asked people that have heard of MoviePass. I said, you understand this? And they said, no, I don't understand it at all, right? Because it doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. And for everyone out there who, who doesn't understand it, I don't either. But what these guys are doing is they're basically giving you for seven bucks or 10 bucks, whatever it is, they're giving you a debit card. 
And that debit mm -hmm. card works at all the movie theaters. You just go in there and watch a movie whenever you want during the month. Almost, almost all the movie theaters, right? but yes, All right, almost all right. of them. Mm -hmm. And so they're giving you basically no-brainer value if you see more than one movie a month at a movie theater. So, That's right. It's, it's break-even at one movie, pretty much. Right. And it, but the whole idea is pile up as many users as they can get in this database and then figure out how to use those relationships and that data to create even more value before they run out of the money that people invested in there who are also looking for value, mm -hmm. for a return on their mm -hmm. investment. Now, I'm going to tell you, Mark, there is a lot. I thought about this. There is a lot that MoviePass is hoping is going to happen. Now, the mm -hmm. least of which is signing up customers, right? Right. Because that's the right. easy part. Ask anyone to give you $10 in exchange for $20 and see what happens. You won't have much <laughs> friction. So they're hoping, number one, that they don't sign up a bunch of movie buffs who are going to go to the theater every other day. Right? Because right. they have to expand the number of users. They don't want some guy going to the movies every day. But, That'll Tom, they've already worked that out because average the law of averages takes hold. It has long since taken hold. And it, for them to get one new movie nut, they're also going to get one average movie nut and one less than average movie nut. And the math is going to work out. Any, I guarantee you, right now, the proportion of their uh, membership base who are avid movie nuts is as high as it's ever going to be. Because once you get the super fans in there, right, the guys who can save the most money, what you have left is all the rest of us. Okay. They hope, so that's not the first thing they hope, and you're right. Maybe they've got enough information to let them know that this isn't a hope anymore. This is a reality. Then they hope that the relationships and the information they create, which is empowered by the smartphone, right, it allows them to discover and demonstrate new value to studios, to theater owners, I mean, right now, I mean, they could directly influence subscriber behavior by promoting a particular movie. If they could prove that through that phone, mm -hmm. through the app, mm -hmm. we promoted this movie. All of these people that have movie pass went and watched it. Would you like to pay us to promote the other movie? Or right. another thing they're trying to do is they're, they're, they're trying to show how much more money subscribers spend on concessions. And then they're trying to negotiate a cut of those concession sales which the theater doesn't like either. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. you know what else they're doing? They're trying to co they're thinking of co-producing films. They're looking at subscriber preferences and saying, we'll co-produce a film and we'll take a piece of that pie. Tom, if you know everybody, if you've got 10 million members and you know how many of them have gone to the theater to see Lady Bird, what is that worth? <laughs> no, you're right. Right. You know, what is that worth? It tells you, first of all, uh, when uh, Lady Bird comes out in other forms, DVD, on demand, etc., um, now you know exactly who to reach out to about it because chances are the people who buy the DVD are going to be the ones who liked it in theaters, right? Yeah. So you've got that. You've also got the relationship of... Uh, uh, this is... Data. By the way, just for the record, here's a lesson to movie theaters nationwide. How is it that you people don't have this data yourselves? You know, how is it that you have movies in your theaters every single day and the people coming up and buying a ticket are nameless and faceless and have been so forever? How is that possible? Oh, don't and Tom, I would even it. go beyond that. Don't I would even go beyond everybody. that. <laughs> but, but let's go beyond that. Let's talk to any media brand. Let's talk right. to people with television shows, radio stations, podcast right. makers. Yep. How is it that there are people... 
you know, we've got shows. We don't know the names of all the people who listen to our show. If this podcast were a bigger part of, you know, your business and mine, I think we would make a priority out of it. But I know this for sure. Um, Any podcast I'm going to be involved with going forward that's under my own banner, um, I'm going to get email addresses for from now on. I know. I'm going to understand what these people are. How can you not? That's the, you don't have any data until you at least have that. No, look, you're, you're right. Unless you're Facebook, unless you're Facebook or Google. Look, I don't think people realize the potential when they have a relationship and they understand who these people are, what they prefer, where they live. I mean, MoviePass could basically say, well, look, a movie is a night out. Let's take our data and let's try to work with local bars, local mm-hmm. restaurants, Uber fare back and forth to the movie, to the theater, right? They could do all mm-hmm. of that. Sure. With that kind of data. Dinner in a movie. Dinner in a movie. How you know, if you're the Olive Garden near the movie theater, right. how about some discounted dinner in a movie thing through MoviePass which only gets more customers to Olive Garden? which adds more value to MoviePass and which makes customers happier. Oh, you're right. Look, if people are lazy with regard to value creation today, I hate to say it, I hate to use that yeah. word because they would use the word busy. But mm-hmm. if, if they don't sit mm-hmm. down and figure out how to develop these relationships and make them deeper and more interconnected, someone's going to do it. That's exactly right. And I think really uh, it could be summed up by saying, look, what business are you in really? What assets do you have or could you have? What do you know about concern, your, your consumers? And what else, can you, what else can you provide, products or services, because of what you already provide to these people? Exactly. And those are the questions that not enough people are asking, it seems to me. Obvious. <laughs> Time for rants and raves, Tom. What's on your uh, agenda this week? All right, I'm going to get do a quick rave. And then a little rant. My quick rave is, did you watch NBC's live telecast of Jesus Christ Superstar last night? No. I feel like I've seen that enough times long enough ago. Oh, no. Watch it. If you can find it, watch it. They had John Legend portraying Jesus. It was awesome. Really? Okay. It was awesome. So so see if you can find it. It was was wonderful. All right. So now I'm going to rant. And I'm going to rant, I guess, against humanity. So look. Houston is on track to outstrip Chicago as America's third largest city. So they're two longtime rivals. They've decided they're going to get into a pissing contest over which one has the best big, shiny metal sculpture. I'm not kidding you. Giant silver beans created by a British sculptor, some guy named Anish Kapoor, who was born in Mumbai in India. Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm. it's as if both of these cities are utopias. So let's argue about now who has the best big metal bean, which costs like, I don't know, each city tens of millions of dollars. Can you imagine this? I mean, we're the best city. We have a horizontal silver bean made by an Indian-born British artist that people love to take selfies with. And then you have another city. A a bean, right? Not a beam, but a bean with an N, right? A a bean. It looks like a baked bean. Oh, boy. Gigantic bean. And now the other city is going to say, no, 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 we have the best city because we have a vertical silver bean made by an Indian-born British artist that people love to take selfies with. Now, look, <laughs> do you understand how this is like driving me crazy? In other words, let's not go online and debate who has the best schools. 
the best teacher pay, the mm, best public yeah, transportation, yeah. the best community involvement, the most freedom. Uh-uh. Let's talk about big-ass bean sculptures, and let's <laughs> argue about this all, all over the Internet, all over the media, basically. Now... But, Tom, those are so much easier to grasp, oh, aren't they? Oh, Mark. Listen, you know, the cognitive, <laughs> sci the cognitive scientist, Steven Pinker, he just released yeah. his new book titled Enlightenment Now. And in the book, he argues that reason, science, humanism, and progress are enhancing human flourishing. I think this guy should take some time to read some of these bean rants on social media. <laughs> And then he can tell me if he still believes that. Listen, you lost me the minute you said book. <laughs> All right, I'm done okay. ranting. I just can't believe this. All right, well, <laughs> I've got a couple for you today. I've got a couple of raves and one rant, and uh, I feel best about the raves, so that'll be good. First of all, uh, from, a, I don't know, a week and a half ago maybe, construction has started on Star Wars theme park, and holy crap, I mean... That's the title of the article in Mashable. So it's a flyover of the construction site for the new Star Wars um, experience that's going to be at uh, in both in L.A. and in Florida. And I, what? Tom, it's a construction site. Well, Pinker can I mean, add that to his of, book about how progress is enhancing human flourishing. Well, <laughs> but my point is that it's not done, right? But people are going gaga over steel girders and, you know, wooden beams. And it's, but because the thing is so expansive, because there's so much construction going on, it's, and because it's Star Wars, which is really the, the, the nub of it, that's why people, it actually merits that kind of a headline in Mashable. It's just extraordinary. So uh, all credit to uh, uh, Disney for capturing the zeitgeist. And oh, by the way, that relates to my second uh, rave which is a new book that I'm about three-quarters of the way through right now called The Big Picture, The Fight for the Future of Movies by uh, Ben Fritz, who is, a, uh, I think, Wall Street Journal New York Times reporter. And um, this is a terrific book. If you ever wondered why there's nothing but superhero franchises in the movie theater, this book gives you the answer. Um, and What's I'm not going to boil it down. Well, it has to do with a lot <laughs> of things like uh, the plethora of choice. It has to do with... You know, the cost of movies versus the free of television. It has to do with the fact that dynamics have changed and television used to be something that if you didn't catch it once a week, you missed it altogether. But now you can see it whenever you want. You can binge it. And that leads to essentially two, four, six, eight-hour movies, a.k.a. TV series. Um, it has to do with 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 the rise of uh, the third world, it has to do with the rise of China as a movie market and the fact that these things have to have international flavor. It has to do with the fact that America has essentially stopped going to the mid-priced movie star uh, epics in exchange for uh, franchise movies. Do we care who's in the new Star Wars movie? Mm -mm. Um, do we care? No, we don't. We, we care about the new Star Wars movie. Who's going to play Thor? Who cares? <laughs> the guy who played for, Thor made, I think, if I remember right, $150,000 for the first movie, which is chicken feed in Hollywood terms. And it didn't matter at all. So uh, the market is diminishing for movie stars, which is why you see so many on television now. It's why Will Smith and Adam Sandler, two huge Sony stars, did deals with Netflix instead right. of Sony. 
because they can't open a movie anymore unless it's on Netflix. And that's not a criticism against them. That's just the way it is. This is why when you go to the movie theater and say, you know, where, what happened to Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan? <laughs> <laughs> there are no more Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan movies. They don't make them anymore, at least not in the movie theater. So it's a really terrific book. It also has an extensive section on why Disney is the perfect metaphor or conglomerate for what's going on now. And this relates to the previous rave about uh, the Star Wars uh, theme park at Disney. I mean, they had the foresight to invest in these franchises, and then they had the foresight to turn these franchises into universes so that now it's not just three more movies of Star Wars. It's a Star Wars universe with an unending number of movies. And they do the same across all of their franchises. They talk, the, the book talks about uh, the, uh, 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 Lego doing the same thing, the Lego universe. Uh, it talks about uh, other game uh, companies doing universe, Hasbro, the Hasbro universe, which is forthcoming. Um, this is how things work now. And I think the more you understand that that's how things work, uh, the better off you'll be going forward. And frankly, it's really analogous again to the Amazon story, Tom. Right. Because what is Amazon but a universe of value, right? Yep. I mean, paper towels are not inherently linked to Man in the High Castle, and yet they are inextricably linked. There's your title <laughs> for your next book, The Universe of Value. The Universe of Value. I like that. Should I read um, that book? Are there insights uh, in there that will help me get my movie made? I have to put uh, superheroes yes. in my movie now. Oh, yes. Uh, <laughs> yes, you should read that book. Um, yeah, yeah, I would recommend you. You'd like that book. It's a good book. Last one, Rent. Um, you know, this is something called Crime Online, which is Nancy Grace's, I guess, podcast slash website. And um, I signed up to this just to see what it was about. And so I get this email and it has all this urgency associated with it. And it says, if you thought you had privacy on the internet, think again, this search engine knows everything. Have you looked up your name yet? And then it's got a photo of an average looking person. Uh, And it encourages you to look up your name. When you look up your name, it takes you down a path that ultimately ends in an invitation for you to pay for a report on your name. So in other words, (laughs) this is pure advertising. But it's on a site that sends out emails under the guise of information. And I don't know. Do they think, Tom, that people won't figure this out? Do they think that this won't feed back on them? When you send out editorial, and it is pure advertising. I mean, even to the point where you get to the end and ask for, you know, a credit card. (laughs) What part of that can't be foreseen? Mm -hmm. Steven Pinker's book. We're we're (laughs) flourishing. You lost me at book. (laughs) That's Media Unplugged for this week. Please remember to subscribe to us at iTunes or on Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're there, please rate the show. It helps other folks discover us. You can also catch us at Art19, Radio Inc., Media Village. We like Media Village. And Google Play Music. You can follow Tom on Twitter at Tom Asecker, and I hope you do, and Mark at Mark Ramsey Media. Send us your questions and comments using hashtag Media Unplugged. If there's a media topic you want us to cover, tweet us. Catch up on older episodes at our website, MediaUnplugged.net. Special thanks to the amazing producer of Media Unplugged, Mr. Jeff Schmidt. Exciting audio for media. You can catch him at Jeff-Schmidt.com. For Tom Asecker, I'm Mark Ramsey. Thank you for listening. 